The message today is how should Christians live in these last days awaiting the rapture? True believers in Jesus Christ should long for the return of the Lord to take His bride, the church, to Himself. To take us where He has prepared a place for us so that we can live, honor, serve, and worship Him forever. Now, none of God's promises have ever failed, ever. His assurance to keep us from the coming wrath and testing that will come upon the whole world is fast approaching. Please, open your eyes and look around. So many signs are there. So many that are in plain sight. Jesus Christ can call us up to Him at any moment. Any moment. Right now. Right now would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Maranatha. That means the Lord is coming. Or, O come Lord. Believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ must absolutely live our lives with the knowledge that He can come at any time. But we have to be eager. We have to be faithful. We have to be willing and ready servants when the shout descends from heaven. What's greater here than what's vowed to us in heaven? Absolutely nothing. And every day we should expect Him to come and yearn for Him to come. Every day. Maranatha reminds us to keep our eternal perspective and get our eyes off of the temporal things of this world that we are so distracted and weighed down by. And when we look down, all we see is roads leading to nowhere. Okay? But when we look up, we see the blessed hope that is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that hope is everlasting. To those of you who are disheartened today, I say Maranatha. To those who are worried today, Maranatha. To those who are filled with pain over the problems or physical ailments they are facing, Maranatha. Our Lord is coming soon. Amen? Amen. Matthew 25.13 says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. No one knows the day of Christ's return except for God alone. But Scriptures make it clear that we can know the signs of the Lord's return. We always need to be prepared for it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 and 6 says, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. The Old Testament saints awaited the coming of the Messiah, and He came. From the ascension of Christ to today, 
all Christians have been told by God to be ready for the return of His blessed Son. He will come again, guaranteed. Throughout the entire New Testament, believers took the stance of faith that Jesus Christ would reappear at any moment of any day. And Christians today have no reason to believe otherwise. So are you ready and are you willing, Christian? Believe it or not, there's some people that don't want him to come back today. There's things that they want to do in their lives first. How selfish and foolish is that? Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. We read this in uh, Bible study, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15-18. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. When I hear about the wrath of God, I'm not comforted by that. But when I hear that we will be called to Him and be with Him forever, that's comforting. He will come as a thief. Sudden and unexpected. Now, Zechariah 14.4 says, In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley so that half of the mountain will move toward the north and the other half toward the south. This is his coming as a king. Do you see the difference? Again, like a thief... Matthew twenty four forty two through 44 Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He will snatch his bride away for the marriage supper of the Lamb. In Jewish... Tradition and customs, the groom would show up unexpectedly to take his bride away. I'm making a point here. Coming as a thief is far different from when he returns with his saints. Jesus Christ will one day establish true righteousness. After he raptures the true church out of this world, God will pour out his righteous wrath upon the world. Now during the tribulation, he will draw others to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And we know these as tribulation saints. At the end of the tribulation, all unbelievers will be judged for their sin and unbelief. Then they will be removed from God's presence. True followers of Christ will reign with Him. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him. Revelation 19.11-21 says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had his name written that no one except himself 
new. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, that's us, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. A thief in the night is unseen and in stealth. He does not judge and make war. He snatches away precious things and it can take a while before people even notice. This is a far cry from coming with the clouds and every eye will see. These are two separate events. And it's easy to piece together if you just read Scripture. If you study Scripture. From what I've said here, can you guys see the difference? It's, it's different. If Jesus is coming back that every eye will see as the King of King and Lord of Lords, He wouldn't describe Himself as a thief in the night to snatch us away. That wouldn't make sense. I try to make... And use common sense with Scripture, with everything, so that it makes sense to me and hopefully makes sense to you. Because common sense is, is a lost virtue anymore. But if we use common sense that God gave us, Scripture will make sense. So what do we do to prepare? You know, there's thing, things can get harsh in this fallen world. You know, And we as Christians should prepare some supplies because... The birth pains will intensify. And things can get tight. So there's nothing wrong with us putting some things back, just in case. You know, you have candles if your lights, if your power goes out, right? Or lanterns. A lot of you will have a coolers so you can get ice if your refrigerator goes out. Things of that nature. There's nothing wrong with storing some things just in case, heaven forbid, we get attacked. Or, or something like that. We don't know. The birth pains will intensify. Scripture says so. But, we're not told at all in Scripture to bunker ourselves in so as to live through God's wrath upon the earth. Scripture does not say that. That's because Jesus taught that we would be spared the wrath, that He could come at any time, and that He did not even know when. That's why Christians are told so many times to be equipped for the Lord to come suddenly Imminently to take us to Him. First John 2.28 says, And now little children, abide in Him. That when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. So then how should we live now, right now, as we wait for the rapture of the church, so that we will not be ashamed at His coming? Well, first off, you need to be sure you're wearing a wedding garment knowing that you're saved by Jesus. That's first and foremost. Matthew twenty two eleven through 14 says, But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. You know, hypocrites and false converts will dwell in outer darkness. And there are many so-called Christians who are hypocrites and false converts. Many are called to salvation, but few have the wedding garment, which is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the sanctification of the Spirit. 
We need to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith and seek to be approved by the Savior. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Something else we need to do is rejoice, even in trials. Turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We know that trials come. And we know that some of us are going through trials now. But we must always give praise to God even in the most tumultuous storms. You know, one reason we should praise God is that we're deemed worthy to suffer for Christ. 1 Peter 4, 12-13 says, Beloved, do not think it is strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Something else is we must also praise Him for the mercy that He gives us to withstand these trials. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. We all bear it, don't we? Because God gives us the ability to do so. You know, we are always dearly loved, when we, even when we don't feel like it. God's love is never lacking. It's our faith that is lacking. We are to watch for Him constantly. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Jesus told us to pay attention to the signs and we must heed the discernment of the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Listen to what God is telling you and act upon it. Matthew 24, 3-14 says, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Right there, that's two separate events. Your coming in the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And there's a lot of those out there right now. 
And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Or the beginning of the birth pains. Now a lot of people say, well, there's always been wars. There's always been pestilence and famines. Yeah, those were the beginnings of sorrows. The birth pains are getting stronger. That's what we have to realize. They've been going on for a long time. They're just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. There's a lot of places I look, blogs and, and news sites, Christian sites and things like that. You would not believe how many earthquakes there are every single day and how much stronger they're getting every single day. It says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That's obvious today. People don't care about anything but themselves. People have no respect for others anymore. They don't. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You know, obviously the sorrows, birth pains have been in place. And the gospel is being spread throughout the world faster than at any time in history. I heard on the radio the other day that this pastor came up with the idea they're having these helium-filled balloons actually drop Bibles into North Korea. In North Korea, they imprison and kill people for having a Bible. But they found a way that these balloons would drop down in and drop these Bibles into North Korea. We have the technology and the means for the gospel to be spread around the world like never before. And it's being done at a rapid pace. Now people need to take their heads out of the sand and just look at the overall condition of the world. Quit hiding. You can't throw the cover up over your heads and think everything's going to be okay. Jesus is going to come back. The world's going to get worse. And this scripture, it fits this world to a T right now. And something that we should do, every Christian. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So don't lose heart. Be steady in the faith, pray without ceasing, and be persistent in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Keep God on your mind at all times. Let there be a song in your heart. Let there be scripture in your mind. Think on the things of God, because they're all applicable to every situation and thing in your life. Turn to Luke 18. Luke 18, 1 through 8. Luke 18, 1 through 8 says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. There was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, 
Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? If there's something that you're asking God for in your life, keep asking. Keep asking. If it's not his will, he will let you know it's not. Or he will take that desire from your heart to stop asking. If he hasn't answered you yet, then keep asking until he does answer. We are to be persistent in prayer. Yes, he knows what we need, but prayer shows respect to him. That we trust him. And Jesus asked the question, would he find faith when he returns? He will if we do as he commands us and we stay faithful in him. Pray continually and persistently are ways that we show faith to God. Something else we need to do is study scripture and pay attention to sound preaching and doctrine. 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give you discernment to rightly divide the word of truth. There's so much deception out there. So much. So much that sounds like truth and without truly guarding your heart and mind, you can easily fall into the snares of the devil. Something else. Study Bible prophecy so you can watch for and know the signs. There's so many Christians who overlook Bible prophecy. They say, I don't understand it. They don't understand it because they don't study it. That's all it is. Mark 14, 38 says, And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Christ is telling us we need to watch, not fall asleep. We need to study His Word. We need to focus on Him. We need to talk to God continually. If we're not, then we're falling asleep. We're not watching. If you're not studying Bible prophecy, I strongly suggest that you start doing it right now. Matthew 16, 1-3 says, One day the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that He show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove His authority. He replied, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red skies in the morning mean foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. You are seriously lacking in your Christian walk if you are not studying and paying attention to the prophecies of God in Scripture. You really are. Isaiah 46, 9-11 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God has told us the beginning to the end in the Bible. But in true fashion, sinful humans with the help of Satan want so much to deviate from God's truth. We think we know better. Turn to 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, 16-21. It says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. 
For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard his voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God's Word is just that, His Word to mankind. The prophecies in the Bible have been fulfilled, are being fulfilled, and will be fulfilled totally in short time. So guard against Satan's temptations that lead to sin. That's another thing that you have to do. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 10, Be sober and vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the grace of God, who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, perfect, established, strengthened, and settle you. If we would quit walking the ledge of temptation, then we wouldn't have to take the chance of falling into that abyss of sin. The Word of God and His Holy Spirit will give you passage through any tribulation. Stay strong in the faith and remember that flaming arrows of the enemy are always extinguished by the living water of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-22 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So with that, we have to beware of false prophets because they will lead you astray. Matthew 7.15 Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They work for the devil. Do your homework on any pastor, any teacher, any church, and find out everything you can about them. Remember the way that many cults work is that they cover themselves with some of God's truth, and then when they have you hooked, then they introduce and indoctrinate you with damnable heresies. That's what a lot of cults do. They seem like they're Christian on the surface. And they get enough to get you in, and then they introduce their false teachings. And what happens with most people? They get connected. They fall in love with the people that are there. They don't want that to go away. So they go along with what's being taught. Even if it's sending them to hell. They just they blindly don't want to understand that. If something doesn't make sense or line up with Scripture, say something. You have a mouth, and I know a lot of you in here can use it, myself included. Speak up. Open your mouth. If something's not right, say something. You don't have to agree with what somebody says. You're not being disrespectful. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, use Scripture to go against what they're saying or they're teaching. Don't be overcome by the cares of this world and be caught unaware. Luke 21, 34-36 says, But take heed to yourself, lest your heart be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Many who profess to be Christians will be left behind at the rapture. They go to church, but do they do it just to show their face? 
or they come in to worship God. They tithe, but are they doing it out of the goodness of their heart? Are they happy and joyful giver, or are they just throwing loose change in the plate? They do things for others, but they do not believe with their hearts that Christ is God and their salvation. They're Christians in name only. That's a nice little title for people to carry around when they need it. It makes people think that they're a good person. They have no true relationship with Christ, and they're only going to realize that when they fall on their face left behind. Understanding that they have been taught about the coming of Christ over and over and over. They just failed to heed the warnings. How about you? If you're unsure about your relationship with Jesus, you need to talk to God. He's the only one that knows your heart. Only God can search your heart and see where you truly are and you're standing with Him. Reconciliation with God secures your place with Jesus in heaven. Be an overcomer as a believer in Jesus. 1 John 5, 4-5 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So in this, hold on to the name of Jesus and do not deny the faith. Do not shudder and back down from this world. They can take everything that you have, but they can never take the grace, the gift of God that is in you. Keep your head up. Scream Jesus Christ at the world. Let His Holy Spirit guide you in all things. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. You don't feel like you can get out of bed in the morning? Yes, you can. Christ will strengthen you. Examine yourself and let God strengthen those weaknesses. Revelation 3, 2 through 3 says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Take everything to God. Any struggle, any issue, any circumstance, and any sin, because they are only rectifiable by the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to glorify God through Jesus in all things. 1 Peter 4.11 If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. If you're sick, glorify God. If you're caught up in sin, repent and glorify God. If you feel hopeless, glorify God because in Him is where the only hope is. When you hug your child, kiss your spouse, eat, breathe, laugh, cry, glorify God. Love your neighbor and put on Christ. Romans 13, 8-11 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. 
Every day we wake up is one day closer to Jesus. 1 Peter 4.8 says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And we need to put on every piece of God's love. You know, that's our armor. When we put on His love every single day of our life, that guards our hearts, that guards our minds. That makes us examples of Christ. Go to church. I can't say it any plainer than that. If you're not here today, go to church. Somewhere. Meet with other believers and exhort each other. Hebrews 10, 23-25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day with a capital D. The day of the Lord approaching. Be a Christian example for others. 1 Timothy 4.12 Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Don't do it and then they see what else you do and then you're a hypocrite. Fellowship with God is our purpose in life. Fellowship with other believers helps to keep us accountable. We should also edify one another by strengthening other believers. 1 Thessalonians 5.10.11 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath. God did not appoint us to wrath. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Lifting others up will bring glory to God. Because when someone is lifted up, Jesus is magnified. We should live in the hope of the words of Jesus. Revelation 3, 10-12 says, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Not only will we, will we be kings and priests, we will also be a pillar in the pillar in the temple of God. And we will have the new name of Jesus Christ upon us. We really have no capacity to see what God has for us. And how much he truly loves us. How much we mean to him. We can't understand it. We cannot comprehend it. And you know, we can't understand how much the cross and... Christ crucified is truly worth. You know, how great our God is whom we serve. We should also preach Christ's salvation and His soon return. Matthew twenty four fourteen says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Mark sixteen fifteen says, And He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. John 14, 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus said, If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He told us there are. And He's preparing one. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
Jesus is in heaven, right? So if he's preparing a place for us, and he says, where I am, you may be also, that means he's going to take us to heaven. The second coming, he comes back to earth. So this won't fit unless we're taken out of here in a rapture. That's the only way we can be with him because we know that his bride, he's going to snatch his bride away and she will be prepared for the wedding. Two more things. We need to watch Israel. This is very important. Watch what's going on in the Middle East. Watch Israel. There are so many signs. You want to see what's going on? Just turn on the news. Watch Israel. Why is that little bitty piece of land so important? Why does the whole world want Basically, one-fourth of Indiana. Because Satan and his rage against God's chosen people is the number one birth pain that indicates where this generation stands on God's prophetic timeline. They're God's chosen people. He's been trying to destroy them from day one. He tried to stop the Messiah from coming. He tried to stop them from becoming a nation. He's not going to quit. He thinks that if he destroys them, it's going to mess everything up for God. Zechariah 12, 1-3 says a prophecy. The word of the Lord concerning Israel. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, and who forms the human spirit within a person declares, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. Watch Israel. And lastly, be faithful to the end. Revelation 2, 25-26 says, But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end to him I will give power over the nations. Now if you die, you win because you get to be with Jesus faster than we do. No Christian should be afraid to die. Because all that means is you're going to be with Jesus. Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul knew if he was living, it was for Christ. If he died, he was going to be in heaven with Jesus. It was a win-win. We do not need to act like Christ is coming back. We need to act like Jesus Christ is coming back today. We need to act and live like Jesus is coming back right now. We need to do everything that we can to strengthen our relationship with the Savior. He gave us His all to allow us to be close to God. Nothing should stop us from wanting to know Him more. If He comes back right now and you're not saved, you're not a child of God, you're going to be left behind to endure the wrath of God that's going to be unleashed upon this earth. If you want to know what that's going to entail, read Revelation. I pray that you truly give your heart to Christ before you die. Because if you read the book of Revelation, no words can mutter the horrors that will come upon this whole world. And they will be righteous judgments. Billions of people will die. Billions. Please don't let yourself go through that. And if you're here, it's your own fault. If you're not raptured with the church of Christ.
Give your heart to Christ now while you still have time. Only God knows your heart. To us, we can see you and say, oh, that's a brother in Christ, that's a sister in Christ. But inwardly, we have no idea what your relationship is with God. I've seen many a time where people, pastors, I served him for 20 years, but I never had a relationship with him. I wasn't saved, and I preached for 25 years. Search your heart so you can go to heaven.